I once read an article on church facilities usage, and it gave some principles for your church, and one of them was that in an auditorium during a church service, it's always better to keep it a little cooler than a little warmer. People are much less likely to fall asleep. I'm not sure this is what they had in mind, but I'm assuming we'll all be really good listeners uh, this morning. Well, we're going to continue on in our series on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We are going to spend um, most of 2017 looking at this subject. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to say, I'm a follower of Christ? I am a Jesus follower. What does that mean? This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 and verses 24 through 29. And just in chapter 1, we're also going to look at verses 15 through 20 in just a little bit. So we'll be looking in both places. I want to read verses 24 through 29 of Colossians 1. We won't be focusing on the whole thing, but I want to set a foundation for, excuse me, for what I'm going to share with you this morning. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Well, our first point this morning is Christ in you. We are going to spend the month of February carefully thinking about the truth that Christ lives in us. We are going to spend this entire month just dwelling on the biblical truth that Jesus lives in me. Our main focus this month will be verses 27 through 29. Our very specific focus this month will be the last seven words of verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I read a quote by David Platt that really got me to thinking about these seven words, and I kind of built off that. He writes about how powerful these seven words are, and this is what he says. It'll be on the screen. I want you to think about what he says here. Seven simple, powerful, life-changing words that I am convinced 
If we can get our arms and our hearts and our minds around these seven words, it would utterly revolutionize our Christianity. It would utterly revolutionize our lives. I want you to think about that with me this morning. That if we could grasp these seven words, that it would revolutionize our lives. Some of the most basic and fundamental truths of our Christian life are contained in these seven words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Part of the purpose of the book of Colossians is to confront false teachings that were threatening the church. These false teachers were threatening to undermine the very foundation of their faith. And they were especially trying to undermine the person of Christ. So Paul, in chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, exalts the supremacy of Christ. He gives us one of the most beautiful portraits that we have of Christ in any part of Scripture. One of the most beautiful portraits that we have of Jesus Christ in any part of Scripture is found in Colossians chapter 1, which leads directly to our second point, the supremacy of Christ. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, is a section we need to read, reread, and meditate on throughout our Christian life. We need the whole counsel of God, but I want you to know this morning that we need to spend a good portion of our earthly Christian lives camping out in chapter Colossians chapter 1 and verses 15 through 20. Now, I'm not going to go in depth into these verses, but I do want to give you, to read them and give you an overview of what they mean for a very specific purpose this morning. So I want you to open up your minds and your hearts and your emotions this morning and really drink in what Paul is saying in verses 15 through 20. In verse 15, he says that he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus Christ is the image of God. He is God of very God. He is God himself. He is the firstborn of all creation. We have seen this word firstborn used in the New Testament in other sermons, in other passages. It does not mean that he is firstborn in chronological order. It means that he is firstborn in priority and preeminence. To understand this, we would have to go back to the Old Testament where the firstborn son of any family was the one who inherited all the estate. He was given the rights to all his father's possessions. That's what it means here. He is the firstborn in priority and preeminence of all creation. In verses 16 and 17, it says, For by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus created everything. Heaven and on earth. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. I know I've shared this with you before but want to repeat it again this morning. Every atom, every molecule, every breath we take, every living thing, not just on planet earth but in all of the universe is held together by the power of Christ. He holds all things together and without him they would all fall apart. In verse 18 it says, And he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We call ourselves the body of Christ. We use that term on a regular basis. And we are. We are the body of Christ. But that means that the head of the church is Christ himself. He is not only preeminent and supreme in all of creation, he is preeminent and supreme in the church. As I have shared with you many times before, if someone asks you who's the head of First Baptist Church, you tell them Jesus Christ. He is the head of this church. He is the one who purchased us with his own blood and made us his church. In verses 19 and 20 it says, For in him, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Not most of it, not 99% of it, but all the fullness of God excuse me, dwells in Christ. And we are reconciled to God only through him, but not only us, but everything in all creation will ultimately be reconciled to God and only through Christ and only through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I give you this huge picture of Jesus for a very specific purpose. Here's the heart and soul of what I want to share with you this morning. As Christians, we are to have a huge view of who Christ is and then be overwhelmed by the fact that Christ lives in us. As Christians, we are to have this gargantuan view of Jesus. And then we are to be overwhelmed, we are to be blown away by the fact that Jesus lives in you. Let me put it this way. The image of the invisible God, the author of all creation, the head of the church, and the savior of the world dwells in you. The image of the invisible God, the author of all creation, the head of the church, and the savior of the world, he dwells in you. And we think, what does that mean? And I want us to spend this entire month, and hopefully in your 
personal, private life, way beyond that. What does that mean? That Jesus lives in me. Oh God, oh God, deliver us from a small view of Christ. Right where you are sitting. Right where you are sitting this morning, this Christ. If you have trusted him as Lord and Savior, he is dwelling inside of you. He has made his home in your life. It is a huge truth and the foundation of everything we believe. It is a huge truth and the foundation of everything we believe as Christians. As you celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, I want you to begin a month-long meditation. I want this to be the beginning of a month-long meditation, again, that hopefully goes well beyond this month, of trying to understand, of trying to grab a hold of, of being overwhelmed by, of being blown away by the fact that Jesus lives in you. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.